A sea of colour will wash back into Manchester this coming weekend. Manchester's Pride Parade is back after a Covid hiatus. But it's bruised. Organisers have said that they have listened and heard the intense criticism of its business model and commitments to charity. So, what has changed? This is the Manchester Weekly from The Mill. Hello there, welcome to this Sunday edition of the Manchester Weekly from The Mill with me, Daryl Morris, and Yoshi Herman, the editor of The Mill, Manchester's quality newspaper, delivered by email. Hi, Yoshi. Hello. Today could be a very interesting episode, potentially quite a um, quite a juicy one. Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, Manchester Pride is back this coming weekend, and it returns after being heavily criticised for cutting funding to its charitable and founding partners. We talked about this on an episode of the podcast earlier this year, didn't we? Also, the cost of the artists' fees and charging large amounts for weekend tickets were up for debate. The organisation's CEO, Mark Fletcher, you may remember at the time, was personally criticised for taking a pay rise on a year that just 3% of revenue was donated to those founding charities. Well, since then, Manchester Pride have released a report in which they say that they've committed to scaling back the music events and pulling more focus to the village and the protest and the frowning principles of the event. Well, Mark Fletcher joins us now, the CEO of Manchester Pride. Mark, welcome to the Manchester Weekly. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for asking me on. We are, as this will go out, Mark, a week away from Manchester Pride 2022. And I guess that you are right in the thick of all the preparations. What does is, what is this sort of like week before feeling feel like? It's... <laughs> intrepid excitement it's quite an exciting time this year because we're bringing the parade back for the first time in three years so there's a real vibe in, in the office and there has been for the past couple of weeks um, as we get closer and closer to the event but more so this year because we always have such a strong emotional connection with, with the parade and what it means to us there's that added level of anticipation uh, and excitement this year that's really lifting everybody and, and creating a real sense of buzz in and around the office we can't wait to start delivering what it is that we've been planning for so long lovely okay take us on a on a bit of a walk through the village mark if we are walking through a, a week on from now what would it look like we've worked very closely with our communities over the past nine months to develop and curate uh, an event that is truly representative of all things queer and manchester so we want to have a real sense of identity and a real sense of, of place the gay village party has always been at the heart of, of what we do with, with, with manchester pride festival and and we're confident that this year it will shine through more so than usual. The way in which we're opening the festival this year is by putting activism at the forefront of what it is that, that we're doing. Off the back of the consultation that we launched at the end of 2021, some of the feedback that was coming through was that there was a real first, shall we say, or hunger uh, for a greater level of uh, activism and education on the heritage of, of the Pride movement, where it's come from, how we got here and where we're going. So we'll be opening the, the festival with the Human Rights Forum, which this year is going to be themed Pride is a Protest. This is a brand new event for us that's going to take place in Sackville Gardens in person and is free to attend. And it's just bringing that question to the forefront of, of what is Pride? Pride as a protest, where did it start? What did it look like then? Where is it now and where does it need to go? And then in, in terms of um, the rest of the weekend opening up uh, to the Gay Village Party, you'll be seeing lots of colour from Greater Manchester's queer communities and vibrancy. Um, you'll be hearing a lot of vibrancy through the performances that are taking part on each of the stages as well as the incredible venues that live within the, the 
site that that welcome us to celebrate uh, together at this exciting time of year. There's lots that you'll see. I'm just scratching the surface. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mark, I think listeners will be able to detect, even if they don't know the background here, they'll be able to detect from the way you're talking about activism, the way you're talking about the original principles of Pride, that clearly there have been some changes that have been made to uh, Manchester Pride. You have been working on those. Tell us about what it was like going through the controversy last year, where if listeners aren't aware of it, there was a lot of criticism of, of you and of the organisation for not giving enough money to charity, for spending too much on the production of big sort of flashy and um, pop events, for not reflecting the activism in, in, in the Pride sort of movement and, and DNA. What was it like going through that for you as a person? me as a person it was incredibly difficult um, I'm a queer person of colour um, and, and I've, I'm a proud Mancunian um, I'm, I'm, I've been trying to connect with our queer communities here as long as I've been aware of who I am and, and comfortable in my own skin as my identity yeah. so it was a very challenging time um, to have that level um, of what was seemingly hate levelled at me personally which I don't think is, is right that's, I don't think you know it's not, I, I like to respect all members of our queer communities in any way that I can so personally it was very difficult and very challenging especially when I was faced with misinformation and placed at the heart of this when I'm simply a person who does a job working for an organization that I'm massively passionate about. Um, so that was particularly challenging and, you know, I, I bear the scars from that. Yeah. When it comes to organizationally, um, again, it was a good reminder to, to our communities that, that, that we are, we're a team of people um, who work at Manchester Pride and we're here to, to work for something that, that's greater than us, but most importantly, to represent our communities. Um, what happened last year was a lot of misinformation um, was being traded at a time whereby um, decisions have been made um, from, from our organisation, from our board of trustees, and that led to a lot of confusion, which then created anger. And that's understandable. There were lessons for us to learn as an organisation from that. There were things, some things that we just didn't get quite right. So for us, it was a very difficult time and period to go through. But off the back of that, when we entered the period of reflection, it was very easy for us to see the things that, 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 we, that we got wrong and, and the ways in which we needed to connect with our communities who felt that they weren't being heard. And most importantly, how we need to communicate with our communities to let people know what it is that we're doing and what things look like and why decisions are being made. So what we embarked upon was the biggest consultation that we've ever done. Mm -hmm. uh, we consult with communities every year off the back of the festival. But in 2021, um, we engaged with over four and a half thousand people um, who wanted to tell us what they thought about um, the direction of Manchester Pride, what the event should look and feel like, what the key priorities um, for the charity should be, um, which areas of concern they feel are impacting LGBT plus people and communities the most that they'd like us to focus on. And it was incredible. We, we were massively overwhelmed um, by the level of, of input that we had. Yeah. And it took us quite a long time to, to evaluate this. Yeah. But what we were able to do was was to pull it all together with an independent research agency and, and share it with our communities to say, this is what you've said. And yeah. off the back of that, our board of trustees pledged to a series of commitments as to how we would work as an organisation moving forward and making sure that there were opportunities for constant engagement with our communities to lead us on, on in the direction that we need to go. I think listeners should probably go and read that document because I've read your consultation document. It's a really interesting read. But I just wanted to ask you about some 
something. You mentioned the hate you got online, and quite a, quite a lot of the criticism became quite personal towards you on social media. You also mentioned misinformation a couple of times and things that people had got wrong and anger that got created out of misinformation. So can you be a little bit more specific with us? Which aspects of the criticism did you think were misinformation or, or were misunderstandings? And which aspects of the criticism did you think, yeah, fair cop, we did get that wrong and we're going to make changes? Uh, well, the most important is to recognise where we need to make changes. It was communicating. People, we're, 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 with Manchester Pride, we are a charity and we're, we're, we are part of the modern Pride movement. Mm. But for many people, Manchester Pride is an event. And one of the toughest challenges that we face is trying to communicate all of the work that we do all year round. And what the, the legacy pieces are from the Pride celebrations themselves. And, and that's incredibly difficult. So, so when, when you're faced with, um, uh, you know, we, we're established as an organisation um, that has um, overheads and costs for delivery and, and we employ people as a charity that delivers work all year long and I don't think we've been we've not been very good at communicating that what what we do all year long how we're connected with the communities what the impacts of our work are um, and then when it comes to the way information was traded there were lots and I'll, I'll be honest with you it, it's triggering for, for me personally so I, 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 there, were, there were articles that I read out there that were just just soundly untrue um, so I like you know I prefer to focus on on the things I would it, you, you might be shocked by this. I prefer to focus on the things that I think we got wrong than some some of the hate that was leveled at me because I, I just that I feel it's more appropriate for to be able to address what I can change sure. and influence and when it came to the way in which we were distributing grants or what people's understanding was how we appropriate the funding went through our fundraising we needed to to, to understand to recognise that our communities didn't understand how we were putting grants out there, how we were selecting priorities and making those decisions. And what the consultation enabled us to do was was to, to strip it right back and to ask our communities and those who, who are fundraising with us, what are the key priorities that you want to see us fund through our grant uh, making and our fundraising? Uh -huh. And just for context, Mark, perhaps for those who, who haven't been following this story, one of those criticisms was that there were two charities that Manchester Pride were criticised for cutting funding from. That's the Safer Sex Pact project that distributes contraception and the George House Trust, which supports people living with HIV and AIDS. And those are two sort of founding partners of Manchester Pride. What is the organisation's relationship with those charities now in 2022? Um, we've got a, a great relationship with each of those um, charities throughout the organisation at all levels. So much so that, that this year we're delivering the, um, the candlelit vigil in partnership with George House Trust and we're delivering the Human Rights Forum in partnership with LGBT Foundation. Um, again, these, these are partnerships that we've developed over a number of years and I work hard with, with my peers to make sure that we're all connected and that our teams um, are fully up to speed with what each organisation is doing. That's very important to us as, as charities um, and I guess in some of the messaging it, it got lost or there was almost a narrative created that Manchester Pride would be abandoning mm -hmm. these critical service providing charities and, and that's what was disappointing. We, you know, I think we should have responded more quickly and more clearly to say we have no intention of abandoning our, our charities partners at all. Um, but and it, was, you know, it, was, it was specifically funding, wasn't it, as well, Mark, that the, the criticism centred around. So has funding been returned to those organisations or is the uh, relationship as it was? 
in that and so the relationship has, has developed what we've done in the same way we've done it with all our communities in every other respect is work with our charity partners and say like, how do we develop this what do we want to do how can we appropriate funding for you what do you want that to look like um, and what would you like us to fund and that's an ongoing piece of work um, that the, the charities will be developing and deciding what's best for them um, and we just need to be able to map out a way that, that suits them and supports them as to what that looks like will be led by each of those charities and also importantly other LGBTQ plus charities who are invited to the table to apply for funding for essential schemes that they operate as well so we're, we, yeah, we're on a good footing what's important is that we're enabling and empowering our charities to to decide what it is that, that they would like funding for and towards and, and just specifically on that issue then Mark you can correct my stats if they're wrong but I think in 2018 uh, it was somewhere around the 6% of revenue Mark was donated to charitable causes in 2019 that fell to 3% despite record profits and that's been sort of outlined in the review and that criticism is uh, is sort of out there what percentage of this year's profits do you expect to be donated to charitable causes yeah, that's that's always a difficult question to answer for one simple reason is that we can't work up percentages of profits because we're an organization that doesn't make a profit. We're a charity. What we try to do is make it as simple as possible so we can actually chart what we're raising and what that looks like. So this year for the first year, we've pledged £2.50 as a direct donation from every ticket that we sell to the Gay Village Party that will go into the community grant fund. Um, and people can see that building up. You know, as soon as we, we have those final uh, ticket numbers tallied, we'll be able to, to share that with our communities and say, well, this is what we've raised through ticket sales. If there's a surplus generated from other trading activities, then that that's where we could look to top things up in the past. That's caused the confusion. Um, and what we're hoping to do is by demystifying that it costs X amount to deliver the events. Um, we created an infographic that we've put on our website to show the, the breakdown, the cost of a ticket, what that covers, protected an additional £2.50 uh, ring fence to say that will definitely go towards grassroots community grant schemes and our charity partners. Yeah. A slightly bigger picture on this in terms of the way Pride is changing, Mark. <laughs> One of the criticisms and one of the issues that you've been facing is that it was felt a lot of effort was going into the the the, the, the Pride Live, the big concert, um, it, hundreds of thousands of pounds into production and that kind of thing. Your your um, defence at the time was, look, that's just what it costs to put on a, an event like this. But I think that was maybe where some people felt, okay, we've become too much of a sort of music event and not much, and, and we've lost a bit of what Pride is supposed to be about with protests. So. Tell us about the decision to move away from that model towards something that maybe looks a little bit more old fashioned. Yeah, it was a no-brainer for us. Wherever there's any level of discontent towards what do, what we're delivering, we need we need to start reevaluate and listen. We developed some, um, MCR Pride Live off the feedback that we received in 2017 and 18. So in 2019, when we delivered that event, it was well received, and the feedback that we got was was phenomenal. Yeah. And that's why we put plans in place for it to return. <laughs> Clearly, what what had happened, and for us, this is where I, I think we we learned a lot. Is during the pandemic, the world had changed. So by the time we came back to deliver Festival in 2021, the model that we were aiming to apply 
was not as popular with our communities as it was in 2019 that we, that we that, and then that we were planning to live in 2020. When we took it to consultation, there was it was clear that there was not one clear consensus. You know, it was almost 50-50 as to whether or not we deliver an event on that scale or we don't. Right. And for us, it was a conscious decision to say, well, well we need to stop here because if the community feels, if, if even a small percentage of the community feels that that's not right, we need to stop and listen and look at this, which is why we took the bold move not to deliver that event and actually to centre it on queer talent from in and around Greater Manchester right. and putting activism at the front and centre of what we're doing to try something boldly new, but to to, 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 re, to listen to what it was that we learned. We learned a lot in that consultation uh, and it was very important yeah. that, that we committed to, to implementing change to respect that. And, and Mark, you said something interesting there. You said even if a small proportion, I'm par- Phrasing, but even if a small proportion of your community are pushing back, you need to think seriously about something. You talked earlier about the personal sort of, you know, hate that you received. I suppose it's difficult, isn't it? Because leading a, an event like this that has so many different people who care about it, such a strong community of people who have different ideas about what to do, you can't always put on an event that everyone is going to like. You can't get the criticism down to zero, obviously. Do you feel, oh, having gone through all that with the petition, the, the talk about you having a, a pay rise at a, at a time when charities were getting less money, the, a lot of tweets online that mentioned you by name, do you feel like you have got enough confidence from the community who love Pride to to still lead this organization um i guess i do you know what what's it showed us over the past um, six to nine months is that we needed to be connected to and listening to mm-hmm. and i'm you know as a person i was almost becoming a figurehead for the organization but this isn't my pride i don't own it you know i was hired by a board of trustees to work for a cause that i'm massively passionate about that represents a community that i am a part of and as a queer leader of color i'm very proud of the position that i hold but as a person the the fact that I've been here the many years that I've been here is testament to how I, I listen and, and how I work and want to be part of and connected to our communities um, and I do feel best placed to make sure that we were able to respond to what it was that our communities told us that they wanted to have and I almost felt duty bound to ensure that the organisation listened to that and slowed down and was exactly aligned with what it was that our communities wanted I almost feel it would have been negligible for me not to be able to, to oversee that and to ensure that what we were delivering was aligned with exactly what it was that our communities have said that they want. Um, another uh, element of the, the sort of uh, feedback, I suppose, Mark, was from the businesses in the village, particularly the village bars, asking for more traffic to be driven in their direction. What's been done to support village businesses? Yeah, so we work very closely with village businesses. This year, in the design of the Gay Village Party, literally from scratch, we, we came together to make sure that we were all on the same page of designing uh, the safety and wellness strategy and policy for the event, but also to make sure that each of the venues, you know, it's their space that they operate all year round and that they understand that they are valued and that they are part of the event design. Um, we want to be able to, to showcase what this, you know, we're quite, we're, we're very privileged that we have what a gay village that we have like this in Manchester and um, we want to proudly be able to display this to everybody who comes along to take part in the celebrations at the one time a year to understand what's here all year round so we worked with in close collaboration with, with the Village Licence Business Association um, and, the, and the businesses within the perimeter of, of the event site to be able to pull plans together together um, and work in, in close alignment and, and in a much more harmonious
harmonious way. Other ways in which we're doing that is is engaging with um, the local charities and also the village angels and, and changing the look and feel of what the event's going to be like. So when you step into the Gay Village Party, you get a sense of the village atmosphere that's here all year round, um, but it's just accentuated because we're here to celebrate Pride. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to ask you quickly about the the consultation that you did. There's the, the the aspect of diversity that some people raised. Well, we talked about it on our podcast, I think, a few months ago. It said that the, you had canvassed opinion from people, a large number of people, which you've spoken about today. It's a ninety three percent of them were were white, and sixty percent identify as male. And I think what some people felt was like you may have been listening to a, an undiverse group of people. You may not be reflecting the multitudes of of people in the community in Manchester. How would you answer that? Yeah, well, the way in which we we recognise that, and it's it's a particularly difficult challenge for us to tackle, but it's one that we've been trying to address for a number of years. And the way in which we're doing that and refining how we engage with um, further marginalised communities and the lesser heard voices is by actively reaching out um, to smaller groups and to communities to see how we can better engage and get that qualitative and quantitative import as to what direction we need to go in and, and how we elevate those communities and bring them forward and um, forth and centre. It's interesting that, you know, two of the communities that, that we recognised in the report were cutie pot, queer, trans, intersex people of colour and our wider trans communities. So they're the two key priority communities that we're focusing on our efforts on, um, on elevating this year. We will be opening Gay Village Party with Trans Filth and Joy, which is a celebration of trans life and joy. And then we'll be bringing back Swagger and Black Pride MCR taking pride a place on Saturday as well. Again, these are uh, curated by our communities and that we, we, we wanted to make sure we're authentic, that they led the way and the entertainment for them was not done by Manchester Pride. We brought in co-collaborators and provided the opportunity to be led by our communities. Again, with, with, the, with the aim and intention to, to reach new people within those communities, to display that level of commitment and to getting further engagement so that when we are going to consultation again, people in marginalised communities that, that, that we're aiming to uplift feel that they can have their voice and that they will be heard also. Mm. That'll uh, be reassuring to lots of people, I'm sure. There's also been some concern this year, Mark, around the, the spread of monkeypox and the monkeypox virus around Pride weekend. So far, the spread has been concentrated largely in uh, gay and bisexual men. And a lack of vaccine supply in Greater Manchester. Some health leaders talking about the fact that if you are wanting to protect yourself and others from monkeypox, getting hold of a vaccine is becoming harder and harder. How much of a concern is that for you? So we're keeping an eye on it. Um, what we're doing, we're working with all the health um, agencies um, to make sure that as information is coming in we're able to share it most importantly in order to, to, to empower our communities so we can get as much information there about this as possible um, and to make considerations for what we can share as and when it comes in uh, we're plugged into every local um, health agency when it comes to getting the messaging right and we're working closely with LGBT Foundation to demystify some of the myths to make sure that we're communicating it in a way in which is which is very easy easy for people to recognise how they can spot symptoms, where they can get more information and what to do if they believe you know, that they would test positive for monkeypox. Uh, it's something that we're keeping a close eye on, um, but you will see this throughout our communications on the run-up and during the festival this year as well. In amongst all of these sort of difficult questions and, 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 and these you know,
know topics where you you really had to think hard about what pride is and how you're going to change Manchester pride. I sort of wanted to finish up by asking you, what are you most looking forward to to seeing at Pride? What are you most looking forward to doing? What do you recommend that people go and see? Give, give, give us a flavour of what you'll be up to. Yeah, you know what? There's truly so much. I would encourage people to try something new and maybe make sure you head over to one of the stage takeovers if you've not done that before. For my Pride, it's all about the parade and, and the vigil. Also, I'm excited to see the Human Rights Forum this year, bringing the parade part, being able to, to bring our community together, to take to the streets at a time when we really need to be pushing forward with the modern pride movement is so important right now um, as freedoms are being you know a risk of being lost at home and abroad that we continue to march for greater equality for our communities and then for me you know pride isn't pride in Manchester without the vigil coming together and standing in solidarity as we remember those lost and living with HIV and AIDS um, and, and the other plights that face our communities at home and abroad mm. it's a real poignant moment and really brings home to you the power of connecting and community in the face of adversity that we do face as LGBTQ plus people today, um, shamefully in, in 2022. That's a powerful point. Well made, Mark. Powerful point. We wish you well, uh, and we're looking forward to seeing Manchester light up across the bank holiday weekend. It's always such a such a joy to have it in the city centre. And do you have a, a sort of a go-to bar, Mark? I might pitch the scene. It's 10.30 Saturday night. You, you know that exhausted from all the preparations. Spirits are high. What's your sort of go-to? It's called the hotel room because then there's Sunday and then there is Monday. I wish I got that opportunity. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, no, and definitely not this year. I'm just so, I just so committed to, yeah, I, we just want everything to, I'm just excited to, to deliver what it is that we've got in store. So for me, it'll, you know, I'll be buzzing off the atmosphere and just being back together. Uh, yeah, but like I say, it's a very long weekend, so I have to pace myself. Hotel minibar, then, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> you can treat yourself. Uh, thank you, Mark. I uh, really appreciate it. I appreciate you, uh, your time and for joining us on the podcast and for being so open and transparent and fielding some difficult questions as well, Mark. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm always available to chat. Mark Fletcher, CEO of Manchester Pride, with us on the Manchester Weekly from the Mill. And there'll be more reporting and coverage of Manchester Pride in the Mill, Manchester's quality newspaper delivered by email. You can subscribe, manchestermill.co.uk. For just £7 a month, you can get some quality, quality journalism in your inbox and more details and info and journalism around Manchester Pride coming very, very soon. Manchestermill.co.uk is where you go for that. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast as well. So you'll get it in your podcast feed. We're back on Thursday with your essential briefing, everything that's happening in and around the city.